test, test. All right. We want to welcome you this morning. Aren't you glad that spring is here? And enjoying the sunshine and amen. It's hotter in Texas. <laughs> well, we want to welcome everyone today. And we have a real fabulous treat. Uh, Pastor Iverson and Roxy are here with us this morning, and they're going to be sharing. He shared with us yesterday, Saturday morning, just had an amazing, amazing word. And I just want to introduce him as my pastor. And he's also, for some of you that may not know, but he's also an elder in this church. He's an elder at large. And uh, I've known Pastor Iverson for over 50 years. I'm, I'm 59 and I, I, I remember my folks coming to the church when I was four years old. And that would mean that Pastor Iverson was probably in his late 20s, because I think you're about 25 years older than me. And, uh, and uh, I, I remember seeing Pastor Iverson. I remember his father and mom, mother, who pastored the church in Portland. We're from the Northwest. And uh, Brother Dick has uh, pastored Bible Temple for over 44 years, and then he moved into a different position as the chairman over Ministers Fellowship International, where we were part of that for several years as well, over 20 years, and it's still doing great, a powerful fellowship. And Brother Dick is still my father in the faith. He's my spiritual dad. And uh, I, I cannot say enough uh, on just how much we love and respect him. The one thing I, I want to just say is if there are one, a couple things about him and the family is they have been so faithful. You know, there's a lot of ministry today that focus so much on just uh, their giftings and the crowds. But Pastor Iverson has had a love for people. And how many of you know that that's really what ministry is all about? It's a love for people. And it's a love for you. And it's and Jesus, or Paul said that you have 10,000 teachers, but not many fathers. And Brother Dick has been in my life, my wife's life, and in our son's life. And uh, he's spoke powerful words in our life, words of encouragement, words of direction, words of instruction. And even there's been times he's uh, brought words of correction in my life. Praise God. Amen. And uh, I, I'm so glad that God brings fathers and mothers into our life. And he's been a father in my life. And I know he's a father in this church. You may not know him, but he's here all the time because I'm here with you. And a lot of his influence is on me. So you're, you're getting a lot of him through me. And uh, that, that's the way it should be. Amen? How many of you know the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree? Amen. You look at your kids, and that's, that's what God intended to be. So I want you to welcome Pastor Iverson as he comes and shares. Would you welcome him with a big Texas welcome this morning? Amen. Praise God, Brother Dick. In fact, I like Rock. Roxy, would you come up here? This is his wife. She has something to say. Yes, yes, Roxy. <laughs> you know, just to let you know, they, they were married about six years ago. Five. Five years ago, uh, Brother Dick's first wife went to home to be with the Lord, and Roxy and, and Pastor Iverson has got married about five, six years ago. 
And they have been just an amazing team, such a blessing, such a gift to the body of Christ. We so appreciate Roxy and the gift she is and a woman of wise words. I like to hear her talk, too. (laughs) Thank you. Well, our relationship with uh, Pastor Ray and Carol goes back a long way. Before they were married, I knew them. And um, so it's always great to come back here and then to see their family. You know, I was thinking about this morning, and this is what in Christian world is called Palm Sunday. And, um, you know, in traditional churches, the children today are probably making their little palm branches and doing their thing and not having any, any idea about what it really means. But I was contemplating about that today, and I, I um, read a cute story about a Sunday school teacher who on Palm Sunday had those little plastic eggs, and she um, gave them to her children and said, next week I want you to come back with something in the egg that talks about Easter. Um, she had one little child, though, who she diagnosed as, you know, a little hyperactive and a little uh, attention deficit disorder there. So she didn't expect him to even bring the egg back or to have anything in it. The next Sunday, sure enough, they came back and one of them had a pretty spring flower. Another one had a little cross and she was complimenting them all on it. And sure enough, the other little guy, he didn't, he didn't have anything in his egg and she just passed it by. And he said, teacher, teacher, you forgot me. She said, well, you don't have anything in your egg. And he said, you don't understand. There wasn't anything in the tomb. It was empty. <laughs> so he, he, he scored on her. Okay. <laughs> but as I was thinking in a more spiritual realm about this, um, I was reading, you know, about the triumphal entry. And it says, you know, he came in um, on a donkey and um, into the city and um, a great multitude spread their clothes on the road and they cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road and the multitudes cried out hosanna to the son of david blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord hosanna in the highest and he was hailed as a king that day we know that the next that within a week things changed but um i read a story uh about India, uh, a group of British scientists who went there because the India had been under British rule for 400 years. And in about, in the 1940s, it came to an end. And so um, in about 1950, this group of scientists went because they wanted to do a study on how the British rule had affected the Indian people. And they actually became very frustrated within six months and went back home. Because though the British had been present there for over 350 years, many people in the villages of that country didn't even have any idea that the British had been ruling there. And, you know, when we stop and think, could it be that God has visited the world and the people have lived here without ever even being aware of that event? Are there people in the world today that aren't aware that Jesus came into this world? We live in a world where the king has come, but there's millions and millions of people who don't know it. Stop and think about that today as we really ponder this week of what it really means in our world that Jesus Christ not only came, but he um, bore our sins upon him so that we can rejoice today. Amen. Millions others 
are not rejoicing because they don't know. May the Lord bless you. Very good. Good word. Well, you can see why I married her. (laughs) Well, I am so delighted to be here. Uh, As your pastor said, I've been connected with this church for uh, several decades, and uh, we've always loved to come down here. I wish we could come down more often, but we're all over the world. But uh, we're here today because the Lord said, Go to Dallas, Texas. Something good is going to happen. And so I'm here knowing something good is going to happen. And I'm sitting in front of people that the good is going to happen right here. God wants to touch every single one of us in some special way today. And uh, I have a message that uh, I'd like to share with you. Uh, I hope you'll take some notes because I didn't give them the notes for the Uh, the screen. You'll have to take your own notes, but I'd like to leave something with you. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about the key to the supernatural. Uh, We all believe it's out there somewhere, but God wants that supernatural here. He wants it in your life. He wants to use you. He wants to open doors. He wants to touch people, not through angels, but through you and me. And it's called, I call this message, the key to the supernatural. And uh, so what I'd like to talk to you about for for a few minutes this morning is how to release the key to the supernatural. And I'm going to prove it in the scriptures. Uh, You may have not thought of it as a key to the supernatural, but it was in the life of Jesus. And uh, I want to start out by sharing a story that took place. It's actually a true story. Uh, Two men were walking uh, on a trip through the hills in the northwest when suddenly a vicious snowstorm hit them. And they were walking. They had miles to go. And suddenly a blizzard came down. Now, you in Dallas don't know much about blizzards, but if you're in the northwest, and you're in the mountains, it can happen overnight, two or three feet of snow, and, and you're walking, and uh, this blizzard hits you, and it's even hard to see as you're walking uh, towards your goal. And they were kind of caught out in the mountains, two of them, walking towards their destiny miles away when this blizzard hit them. And as they trugged along, it was cold, freezing, uh, the snow was, was deep and you had to step into it. When they came upon a man who was laying in the snow that had fallen and was freezing to death. And the two men looked at him and one man said, we got to help him. The other man said, look, if we stop to help him, we are going to freeze also. He said, but we can't just leave him there. And uh, and they argued a little bit. No, we've got to help him. I'm not going to stop to help him or we're both going to die out here and and freeze like he's freezing. So one of the men went on. Uh, He wouldn't stop. The other man stopped 
and had compassion on the man that was freezing, laying in the snow. And he picked him up and put him over his shoulder, and he began to walk, carrying the man towards his uh, goal uh, miles away. And as he trudged through the snow, and in sight of his destiny, he looked down, and the man who did not have any time to help this man had fallen in the snow and had frozen to death. And uh, he, because he was carrying this man, was able to reach his destination and was saved uh, in the experience. And people who looked at the situation, why did one man make it and the other man froze to death? And they came to the conclusion when he picked up the man and put him over his shoulder, it warmed his body, caused his heart to beat faster as he carried the man to his destiny. And the reason he was saved was he had compassion on the man lying in the snow. And it actually saved his life. And so I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the key of the supernatural. We often think of the key of the supernatural as some miraculous moment when we have faith and God does something. But the key doesn't come just through faith. It comes through compassion. And that's what I want you to hear this morning. I'm going to read some scriptures uh, that really tie into what I just said. In Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful for what? They shall obtain mercy. You can't give mercy without receiving mercy. And you have to think about that. That I am been designed by the Lord to show mercy. Uh, I want to read the, what compassion really means in the Greek and the Hebrew both. It means, uh, the word compassion means to pity, to be full of eager yearning. It's a, it's a desire in, inwardly. Uh, it means also to love tenderly. To have compassion means that you love that person tenderly. It also means to be full and to show mercy. So mercy, love are the ingredients of compassion. Whenever you show compassion on anybody, you're full of yearning, pity, you're full of tender love, you want to give them mercy. Now, we know mercy is unmerited favor. It isn't that they deserve it, but out of your existence, you want to help them. And just think of it today. Everywhere we go today, there's somebody we could help. And God wants to show himself strong in and through your life through compassion. When you're walking your week that's coming up, God wants to display his mercy, his love, his pity through you and I wherever we go. Now, like I said, compassion is the key to the supernatural. If we don't have any compassion, 
We can try all we want to, pray all we want to, have faith and everything else, but it all starts with compassion. Faith is launched from compassion. And I'll prove that in a few minutes here. But let me, let me look at this term love. Uh, the Bible says if you have prophecy, you can prophesy mysteries and faith to move mountains, and you don't have love, you are what? Nothing. <laughs> so no matter how great you might think you are, if you don't have compassion, and I'm using this word uh, because it's used in the Bible many, many, many times. Over and over again, when Jesus uh, functioned through his ministry, you'll find that word, and we'll go into it in a few minutes, you'll find that word, and he was moved with compassion. It all started with compassion. It didn't start... I'm going to show myself as the son of God and zap your disease. No, we, we might think that happened. That proved his deity. But that was not his motivation. The motivation of Jesus to heal, to cleanse, to raise the dead, and I'll, I'll give you the scriptures in a few moments, was he was moved with compassion. Now, as we look at the scriptures, let's, let's read a, a couple more scriptures. Psalms 111, verse uh, 4, it says, The Lord was full of compassion. In Psalms 25, uh, verse 10, All of the paths of the Lord are what? Mercy and what? Truth. All the path, everything Jesus did was based on mercy and truth. Mercy and truth. You'll find this statement over and over again in the Bible. And one of my favorite scriptures is found over in Proverbs 3. I hope you'll write these down because I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. I want to give you something to take home and think about and, and believe in. And in Proverbs 3, verse 3, it said these words, Let not mercy, and we could say compassion, and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Now notice verse 4. And so find favor and high esteem with both God and man. Now, I don't think there's anything that would get me moving quicker than to think if I show compassion, mercy, and love that I'm going to find favor with God and man. You see, that's the thing that man can't turn down. He, he can turn down truth. He can say, I don't want that religious stuff. But when you show compassion, you pick the guy out of the snow and you throw him over your back and you save his life, even at the thought of your own life, he'll never forget that. That man saved my life by showing compassion when I was helpless. And all of us, when we go through our week, will find people laying in the snow of some kind. Every one of us this week God will arrange 
an opportunity to show compassion uh, to somebody. When you show somebody compassion, he can't reject truth then. If you come with truth, he can reject it pretty easy. I don't want none of that religious stuff. But when you come with true compassion and you pick the man out of his snow and save his life, you, you reach out and help him, he's then open for truth. He's then open. And there's two things that's required of all believers. We are to be people of truth. That's why we need to know this book. And we need to be able to demonstrate the gospel. Did you know it's designed to demonstrate? That when you go out here, you go out to demonstrate the gospel. Uh, let me give you an illustration. I have a, a beautiful pen. And let's say today I'm a salesman for this pen. And uh, I come to you and say, this is the finest pen you will buy and you'll never have to buy another pen. This will last you a lifetime. It's only $200. And uh, if you buy this beautiful pen, uh, you'll never have to buy another pen. It's so good, and it'll never run out of ink. You'd look at me and say, whoa, that is pretty nice. But $200 for a pen is a lot of money. Yeah, but you, you'll never have to fill it with ink. It'll always be there for you. What's the first thing you're going to say? Show me. I know you're not from Missouri, but that's what a guy from Dallas is going to say. Well, show me what it'll do. If you can't demonstrate something, you can't sell it. Is that right? If you can't demonstrate it, you can talk it all you want to, but can you demonstrate it? I said, well, yeah, let me show you. And I take my $200 pen I'm going to sell you. Get your money ready. Look at this. And I get a piece of paper and I show you how it'll write beautiful. Well, I got another one in the car. I'll, I'll go out and get another one. Are you going to buy that? You're not going to buy that because you can't what? You can't demonstrate it. We, we have the ability to demonstrate the gospel. And that is what I just read to you here. If we tie around our neck mercy, and notice mercy first, and then truth. Not truth and then mercy, but you start with mercy. Compassion is given to every one of us. Now let me, let me explain to you how it actually works because a lot of times we don't understand uh, the word compassion. You know, I'm just not a compassionate person. There are three components to love. There has to be, first of all, there has to be an object. You can't love the air. Maybe you can if you can't breathe. But you, you don't love nothing, you have to have an object. Is that right? And second of all, in love, there is an emotion. And third, there is a will to love that person. You've got to pick him up out of that snow. You've got to put him over your back. You've got to reach out and help him where he can't help himself. 
That's compassion. So we have to have an object, our emotions will be involved, and our will will be involved. Now remember that. Now, if you study the Bible, there are three kinds of love that you'll find in the Bible. One is called filial. Uh, Philadelphia means the city of what? Brotherly love. Uh, Filial is based in the object. That's my mother. I love her. That's my father. That's my son. That's my daughter. It's based in the object. And that's filial. And then it bends to the object, your will and emotion. Then there's a kind of love called eros. You probably have heard of that word eros. Woo, she turns me on. Woo, love at first sight. Oh, I want to marry her. And how many know that's based in the emotions? And how many know that the emotions don't last? I mean, they're just the way life is. And I have pastored 44 years and I'll have uh, a young couple sitting in my office that are having trouble in their marriage and he'll sit there and say, I don't love her anymore. Oh, really? You don't have any eros? Well, I don't know what you call it, but I don't love her no more. Well, he's saying, I don't have no emotions anymore. I've lost the thrill of our marriage, so I don't love her anymore. No, that's eros. And eros is based, what? In the emotions. And all of us know if you're married any time, emotions can come and go. They get stronger one day and less on another day. And when you see her in curlers and she doesn't look as good as she did on that wedding night, I don't know if I still love her. Well, it's the, uh, it's the emotions that are you're dealing with. And remember, those are the three uh, ingredients. And so eros is based in the emotions, filial, is based in the object. That's my mother. And eros is based in the emotions, and that's what turns me on, is I have this eros towards her. But there's another kind of love in the Bible, and that's really the God kind of love. And you know what it's called? Agape. How many have ever heard of agape? It's, it's the God kind of love, and it's not based in the object, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, enemies of God, Christ died for us. So when God looked down on the world, he didn't have any emotions about you and me. He didn't say, "Woo, they turned me on. No, we were ugly. We were sinners. We were in rebellion. But it says, for God so agaped the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would be saved. When God looks at you and I, he doesn't look at us through filial or through eros, but he looks at us through agape. And agape is based in the will. You will to love somebody. Now, the man that looked at the guy falling in the snow I'm sure he had the same thoughts. Man, if I stop to help him, I'll freeze also. But his will was stronger than his emotions. His will was stronger than his own life. And so he reached out 
And he was willing to sacrifice his life because of this agape kind of love that's based in the will. Let me tell you a true story. Uh, While I was pastoring many years ago, uh, we had a large church. Our church is about, when I left, it was about 3,500. So I had 12 pastors in district. I had 12 districts in Portland and a pastor over each district. And uh, they were on staff, and they worked out of the central office. And at noon one day, I had a knock on my door. My office is in the inside office. You have to walk through several uh, rooms to get to my my uh, office. And I have here. I'm sitting there, and I hear it's at around twelve. I hear this knock, and so I get up. And I go to and open the door, and guess who was standing there? A drunk. A drunk who had stopped by the office, but everybody had left for lunch. And I was still there. And there he stood, his big beard, red shot eyes. He had vomit and urine all over his clothes. He stunk. He looked horrible. He looked terrible. And he says, I need to talk to a pastor. Now, do you think I got emotional? Oh, boy, you're so beautiful. Come in. No, I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't want to spend any time. It's going to take me several hours to get him out of his drunken uh, state of mind. So you need a pastor. Yeah, I need to talk to a pastor. I look down the hall. <laughs> Where is there a pastor? <laughs> and then I realized they were all out to lunch, and I'm the only pastor there. I looked again. Now, I have a real nice office, new sofa, nice clean rugs. It's real nice. And I knew if I brought this guy in, he's going to smell up my office. He's going to set up nice new clean sofa and get it dirty and I think to myself do I want to do this no my emotions said pass look for another pastor down the road down the offices but then something happened I put into my gear my will I said I'm a pastor would you Talk with me. Yeah, I just talked to a pastor. And I brought him into my room. He sat down with his vomit, urine, stained clothes and flopped down on my nice new sofa and began to pour out his heart how his wife had left him because of his drinking. His kids didn't want anything to do with him. And he says, I have no reason to live. And I thought I might just try Jesus. I said, well, you came to the right place to try Jesus. And, and for the next hour or two, I talked to him. He poured his heart out. And it was a terrible situation he was in. It was nothing there to be desired by me. Nothing at all. He had no money. He had no family. He had no wife. He had nothing but a a drunken mess standing in front of me. But in about two hours, 
I noticed tears were starting to run down his cheeks. And he says, I would like to accept this Jesus you're talking about. And I said, okay, let's get on our knees on this new couch. <laughs> and let's ask Jesus to come into your life. And we did. We knelt down on that couch. And I remember to this day as his tears started staining my couch. And, but something had happened to me. My will went into gear. And I began to feel his heart. I began to feel his situation. And after a short time leading him in a sinner's prayer, and he gave his life to Jesus, we stood up. So here he is, bearded, bloodshot eyes, stinky. And guess what I did? I put my arms around this bum. (laughs) And I said, welcome home, son. You are now part of the family of God. And he was wonderfully saved and was in our church for a long time. His, he and his wife got together, his kids reconciled, and a miracle took place because of my will to care. Now, I, I say that, this is a true story, uh, that, that you have a will. And uh, it's easy to overlook needs, but God wants us to understand There is one power on this earth that man can't reject. I read it there in Proverbs. And so find favor with both God and man. If you reach out and help somebody who's hopeless, helpless, moneyless, physically gone, and you bring him to an answer, he will never forget you. He will never turn his back on you. He will, he will always be your friend. Now, I don't say he'll get saved immediately, but you have now opened his heart to truth. See, mercy and truth in that sequence. And we don't realize it, folks, but we hold the key of the growth of the church in our own lives. Uh, how we treat people will determine whether or not they'll buy the truth. And if we don't care, if we say, no, you're a bum, I don't want to mess with you, you're a waste of time, if that becomes our attitude, there's no productivity. There's no growth. There's no fruit. And so I'm saying, as we look at the scriptures, and it's all through the Bible, Jesus was full of compassion. Jesus was full of mercy and truth. And he said to you and I, bind mercy and truth around your neck. And if you do, you will find favor with God. God's going to walk with you favorably. And the word favor is a very important word. It means to look upon kindly. If you favor somebody, you're going to look upon them kindly. You're going to uh, wish them success. That's what the word favor means, to look upon them kindly, to wish them success. Do you want God to wish you success? I do. I mean, I don't care what man says about me. If God says, I like that kid down there because he's showing compassion. He's showing mercy. 
He's touching people that most people walk on by and say, you're just a hopeless bum, get out of here. No, but it takes your will. It takes your will. You can't do it without involving your will. Now let me just walk through a few scriptures. Over in Luke 4.18, there's a beautiful scripture. It describes Jesus, how he thought. It says, Jesus is reading the scripture. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach to the poor. He's anointed me to uh, touch the brokenhearted, to heal the oppressed, to set, uh, to give sight to the blind. Uh, you read all the things that Jesus came to do, and he came to bring deliverance. That's why we're sitting here, folks. You wouldn't have made it if he wasn't a God of compassion and mercy. He took us in like I took that bum in. He took all of us in when we were in our sins, when we were enemies of God. He said, he's not my enemy. I'm going to touch him. I'm going to bring him to the cross I'm going to bring conviction, and I'm going to give him a brand new life. Now, if he could do that for you and me, then he can do that through you and me. Is that right? Because he's not going to use angels, or we'd be all out of the program. But he's going to use you and I to show compassion. Now, let me, let me read some scriptures here. Yeah, and just write them down. Matthew fourteen fourteen. The Bible says that he was moved with compassion when he saw the multitude and the sick among them, and he healed their sick. He was moved with compassion. Uh, in Mark one forty, the Bible says that Jesus, uh, a leopard came to him and said, If you will, you can make me clean. And the Bible says Jesus was what? Moved with compassion. Now, uh, in that day, you didn't touch a leper. That was forbidden to touch a leper in that day. And Jesus was moved with compassion. And what did he do? He touched them. And they were made clean. Uh, In Matthew 15.42, Jesus, the Bible says, was moved with compassion, had been with him for three days with no food. And he says, if I send them away, they may faint on the way. And he was moved with compassion. Why did he do the miracle? Compassion. He didn't do it just to show himself, look at me, I can turn the fish and the loaves into bread. No, the Bible gives us the key to miracles. The key of miracles. Uh, Matthew 20, verse 31. uh, The blind men cried out to uh, Jesus saying, O Lord, have mercy upon us. And Jesus stood still and said, What do you want me to do? And they said, Lord, that our eyes may be open. And so Jesus had what? Compassion. It's Starts with compassion. This is a little word we kind of shove aside. Let's go out and show miracles. No, it starts with compassion. 
He was moved with pity. He was moved with tender love, uh, yearning to help. That was the nature of Jesus. Uh, In Luke 7, uh, verse 13, uh, he came across uh, a funeral procession. And uh, a woman had lost her child. And Jesus, do not weep. And then he touched the man in the coffin and, and said, young man, uh, arise. And so the man sat up because Jesus was moved with compassion. It's funny how we overlook that simple rule, uh, uh, word, compassion. We think, well, if I go out and I pray for somebody, they'll be healed. Maybe yes, maybe no. But I tell you, the key of opening the door is that you have compassion, that you care about that person that you meet at the job or at your neighborhood. He was moved with compassion. Uh, in Ma- Mark, the fifth chapter, verse 1, an amazing story of a, a demon-possessed man who lives in the tomb. You can imagine the ugly sight. He's na- naked. He's cut himself uh, with uh, stones. They've tried to tame him. They put him in chains, and he'd break the chains. And he lived night and day in the tombs, and nobody could tame him. When Jesus got off the boat, the man came running down the side of the hill. You'd think, Jesus would want to jump in the boat and get out of there as quick as he could. But the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion. Powerful word. He was moved with compassion and healed the man and said, uh, go home and tell him what the Lord has done for you. And, and, and you read this word, over and over and over again, and we just slip on by it and forget this is the key of miracles. I have compassion on that person I'm dealing with. I'm not just doing it to get some brownie buttons in heaven. I'm doing this because he needs help, and I have a way of helping him through Jesus. I have a way of praying for the sick because Jesus provided healing for the sick and for the needy. And Jesus provided forgiveness of sins to the lost. But it all starts with compassion. If I don't have compassion, I can't really demonstrate. I'm not just showing off God's power. I want to show God's love. I want to show that neighbor that's hurting how much Jesus really loves them. And wants them to be made whole. So when you, when you think about the, the needs of people, uh, you have to realize that Jesus loved people. And, and wherever Jesus went, he went to help people. He went to, to set them free. He went to, to change their situation so they wouldn't be uh, hopeless like they feel right now. And so I, I want to challenge you uh, that this week that you begin to pray for compassion. Uh, not pray for yourself, but pray for God will give you compassion. Do you think he will? 
I know he will. God will give you compassion, and you will feel that anointing that will come upon you. And he's going to change your situation. He's going to give you something that will last for a lifetime if you use his gifting. He, he gave you something very important. He gave you the ability to show compassion to hurting people, even the bum that's sitting there that's turning you off naturally. He can override your own will and cause his will to be shown. I have in my hands here a $20 bill. Let's uh, use it as an example. Let's say it's $2,000 bill. What's the, what's the value of a soul? Is there any way you can put a value on a soul? You know, I, I remember going into a hospital once and praying for a member uh, that was going to have an operation. And uh, as I was walking out of the hospital room, in the shadows, I heard another voice. And they said, can I talk to you? Yeah, sure. And I walked over there, and she said to me, I've been listening to you talk to your church member. I don't know Jesus. I need Jesus. And you know, it, it was an amazing thing. I didn't want to go to that hospital. I was tired. But I said, I told her I would come. Now, you know, the, the woman I prayed for was a member of the church, and she was very full of faith. And, and, uh, but I didn't go really for that woman. I went because there was a soul looking for help, and God opened that door. And so I led her to the Lord, and she came into our church you don't know how many places you go that God will open a door of utterance for you to, to bring Christ. Because everybody's worth this. Let's say this is, represents a soul. And you can't put a dollar and cents on your neighbor, on the guy you work with or you go to school with. You can't put any uh, value totally on that person because a soul is worth the whole world. He can speak worlds into existence, but he created a man after his own image. So the most priceless thing on this earth right now is people, not rivers and mountains and cities and high-rises and cars. That's not even in his mind. What's in his mind is you and me. And it's people that we meet. Now, we don't find people that look like this. You know what we find? We find people, the Bible says Satan comes like a thief. And what does he do? He came to kill, steal, and destroy. And this is the way we came to Christ. We look like this. We were a mess. Now, let me ask you this. Does this still have value? I don't care how wrinkled it is. I don't care how messed up it is. 
I don't care if he looks like a bum. He's valuable to the Lord. Now, we like to have it all nice and straight and clean for our purse, but we don't come this way. This is the way we came to church. I remember pastoring uh, many years ago, and it just seemed like everybody that came through my doors had trouble. You ever wonder about that, Pastor? They all have trouble. The new people have trouble. They come. Nobody leaves their comfort zone to come to your church. Did you hear me? Nobody. Now, if you're new here, you got problems. <laughs> That's just the way it is. We, we come because we got problems. And uh, I said, Lord, can't you just send normal people into the house? And the Lord said, are you a hospital? Yeah, I guess we are. Well, where do sick people go? They go to the hospital because they can find a doctor there. They can find somebody that's going to help them. So I don't care if this is the way they look. Can you have compassion on them? Can you? Is there value here? There's absolute value here. Now, let me prove it to you. The first person up here that wants this, that believes it's got value and that it, it's a wrinkled up $20 bill, it can have it. Okay, okay. All right, now, he knows there's, that's yours now, son. Don't forget to tithe. <laughs> he... He knows there's value no matter how wrinkled up it is. And so you can't judge the situation by appearance. Use your will. I will to help them. And when you use your will, you're kicking in your emotions. And I, I find you'll find your arms around that person in time as they turn their life to Jesus. And they're just like you and me. When we were all wrinkled and beaten and bruised, Jesus straightened us up and he put in us eternal life and we are new creatures in Christ. Old things pass away. All things become new. We're a brand new creature. Isn't that right? That's what goes on. So I'm going to close this morning and ask you something. If you believe what I'm preaching and you're here, and you need some mercy. Jesus wants to give you mercy right now. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Every head bowed for a moment. Because we want to we wanna just tap the compassion part of Jesus. You came here and you probably figured my situation is just too far gone to get some help from the church this morning. Do you know Jesus sent me uh, thousands of miles to share this word to tell you that he wants to show you compassion. He wants to put his arms around you and change your situation. Now, we've had a beautiful service. I've just really loved uh, David's leading the worship today. Uh, I felt very close to the Lord. And... Uh, Jesus brought us all here to talk to us, to change us. 
If you're here, listen to me carefully, and you really need some mercy, you need some compassion from the Lord, you need his help, I don't care what it is. It's financial, it's physical, it's spiritual, it's relational, but I really need the Lord's compassion. And you believe he can do it for you this morning. Would you put your hand up and let me pray for you? Up high. Thank you. Yes, I need some of that compassion. Amen. Jesus wants to show you how much he loves you this morning. Any more hands? Because I want to pray for you. I want to believe for a miracle that will take place right now. This is the, the key to the supernatural is compassion. Anybody else will raise your hand. Jesus is going to touch you right now. Can we just stand now to our feet? Because I'm going to pray. Everybody stand. And maybe the musicians can come to close off the service here. Now, all of us need more compassion. But if we need a lot right now, uh, you raise your hand with me that God's going to touch us. Everybody, raise your hand and say, God, fill me with compassion. Lord Jesus, come today. Lord, this message is very simple. We can't miss it. Lord, you were full of compassion and we're to be like you. Lord, you said all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. Lord, I ask right now that the Holy Spirit would come and it would change our situation because we look to you, the compassionate God, full of eager yearning to help us to change us. Lord, speak to us. Speak to us right now. Show us what to do. Show us how we're to respond to our situation. Come, Lord, and change our lives, that your life would flow through us. Your health would come. Your healing would come. Your forgiveness would come. Your finances would come. Lord, whatever the need is, we're asking for compassion. Come, Lord, and release uh, the compassion of our heart. Turn our captivity, Lord. Lord, you saw every hand that was raised that had a need. I pray the Holy Spirit will come in a supernatural way. And Lord, from this day forward, Lord, I come and I declare a decree upon this house that there is going to be growth and increase through the people as they show greater compassion than ever before. Thank you, Lord, that you have come today to touch our lives with your word. Lord, with love that comes from our will, the agape kind of love that we will to help, we will to serve, we will to pray, we will to meet needs, we will to come and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Bless this house. Bless Ray and Carol and the elders and the, their children. I pray for a, an abundant anointing would come down upon this house. 
that they would be able to experience the increase that you have determined upon this house. Lord, you brought this house into existence. You gave them the facilities. And Lord, you want it to be full of people who have been touched by the compassion of the Lord. Bless this house. Bless this worship team. Bless every person that is brought into this place to serve you. Lord, I see in the Spirit they're coming. Unsaved are coming. The hurting are coming. The sick are coming. Those uh, that are broken are coming. They're going to come to a house of compassion. And you're going to show favor upon this house. Lord, bless the leadership of this house. Bless the elders. Bless those that, that are in charge of the worship until the anointing will break every chain. Every yoke will be broken. Thank you, Lord. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Come on. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And you say amen to the Word? Amen. You know, the Bible says we love Him because He first loved us. You know, it's we have, as we have freely received, can we freely give. If you've never been touched by the God's love, you'll never be able to dispense it. So we need to just be open to receive. Amen? We have a God who's willing to love us. He loved us. So we in turn love him and love one another. Amen. Lift your hands one more time. Father, we thank you for the word. Lord, we thank you that you've empowered us today, Lord, with a special anointing for compassion to love one another. Lord, we know that it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. So, Lord, we yield control. We yield our lives to you. Lord, as you love us that we in turn love one another and love our world love our city father give us eyes and ears to hear what's around us help us to see the broken the needy help us lord to see them as you see them in compassion we give you praise and everyone said amen if any of you would like prayer tonight down in front this morning feel free to come other than that be blessed and having a great day today in the house of the Lord. God bless you. Feel free to come down and meet Pastor Iverson too. Just love to greet you. God bless you.